Welcome to week number two in our series that we're calling Family Matters, kind of looking at all kinds of things that are affecting uh, and have impact and consequence and influence in our families. And, you know, just like you need to tune up sometimes in your car, I think sometimes our, our marriages, our parenting, our whole family dynamics, we need a little tune-up. And especially coming out of a year that was really tough last year, I think there were all kinds of dynamics that were presented. So this is a real, real practical uh, series that has four parts that we're in week number two of. Next week, I want to invite you back. We're going to be talking real specific about parenting. How, how do we parent our kids that God entrusted into our hands in a way that really sets them on a path to succeed and fulfill God's you know, personal plan and, and uh, the reason he created them. And so next week we're calling that message Growing Kids God's Way, and I just want to invite you back for that. Uh, but today we want to talk about closing the gap. And, and some principles that, that I want us to look at uh, today, they can be applied to all relationships and friendships, but specifically it's going to be applied to marriages. And so I want to start off with kind of the, the foundational passage when it comes to marriage in the Bible, and this is in the sermon notes on our website if you want to join, uh, follow along, you can Add your own notes and email those back to yourself so you have these to look at in the future. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 and 24, the Bible says, Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now this is really, really important and very foundational. I, I, I think, uh, you, you know, sometimes we miss... What's, being, what's happening here, and that is that, that God took a rib out of Adam, and he didn't go back to the dust of the earth like he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into him, but he took a rib from Adam and shaped that into woman. He didn't take a bone out of his foot, Adam's foot, so that she'd be a doormat that he would walk over and dominate. He didn't take a bone out of Adam's skull so that woman would be superior to man, man would be inferior, and, and she would dominate him. But God took a rib alongside, out of his side, because woman was created to be a joint partner with man. Husband and wife, Adam and Eve, side by side. And, and this is the clear foundational teachings of scripture now, now i know there are plenty of people that want to push their preconceived uh male superiority perspectives on scripture but it doesn't hold weight it starts right here in genesis god took a rib not a bone from his foot so she's a doormat not from the head so she's over him joint heirs together of salvation is what the scripture teaches and so, really important that we make that point even as we start. And it goes on and it says, that's why the man leaves his father and mother and is united. Keep in mind, that word united, we're going to unpack that during our time together, is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And we talked about this some in February. We did a short two-part series and you can check that out if you missed it uh, about marriage. But, but this united, becoming one, it, it means united physically, obviously, uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, in, in every way, financially, that, that they're united and that they become one flesh. But the reality is, you know, 
contrary to popular opinion, that, that when a couple gets married, it's not automatically live happily ever after. Marriage takes a lot of work. And, and if we're not working at our marriage, if we're not diligent, uh, watching our marriage and, and tending to our marriage with tenderness, then, then we'll begin to drift. And, and somewhere along the way, we, we stop pursuing our spouse. And I think it's real easy and that's the thing about drifting. We don't even realize that we're doing it, but then time goes by, and you feel like we're drifting apart as husband and wife because we failed to pursue our spouse. Somewhere along the line, we got relationally lazy. And think about it for just a minute. Is there any other area of life that, that really you can be consistently lazy and see improvement? And think about it for a minute, just, just your own physical health. If you ignore your physical health, you know, and, and keep just eating whatever, no exercise, doing whatever, you're not going to get more fit and healthy. You're, you're going to get unfit and, and probably have more health problems. And, and so if you're lazy physically, it doesn't cause health in your body. It's unhealthy. Think about your business. If you, if you own a business, you know, or maybe you're in the finance department of some corporation or something like that, you, you always have to compare income with expenses. You always have to monitor what's happening. If you're like, you know what, uh, you know, I, I'm the CFO, but I really don't want to see any spreadsheet or, or any data or anything like that for the next six months, your business is going to be ruined if you get lazy. And so you have to look at income and expenses and budget and projections and, and, and all those different things. Same thing with uh, your, your lawn. If you don't, you know, get out there early, early when things start warming up and get that pre-emergent on your lawn, what's happening? Well, right now you're probably looking out the window and uh, you're seeing dandelions all over the place and they're just blowing more seed for next spring when it comes. And if you have a garden, you have to weed the garden. You have to water it. You have to, you know, tend to the soil. If you're just lackadaisical and lazy about it, it's not going to produce what you want it to. It's not going to get better at all. And that's the same way with our marriages. So this is like a marriage tune-up, really, as we're talking about closing this gap. And remember, here in Genesis, it says they'll be united together. They'll be united. Well, let me just share with you the definition of this word united here. This is a Hebrew word. Hebrew is very, it's like a picture uh, Hebrew language words are, are like whole pictures, so sometimes it's a little clunky, a little difficult to translate. Uh, this word united in Genesis chapter 2 here, it, it, the root word is debak, right there in Hebrew, debak. And what it means literally is cling or adhere to, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion, to go after, that, that, a, that a husband and wife will be united, that they're continually pursuing one another. It's not a trivial pursuit, it's a powerful pursuit that, that's supposed to be ongoing throughout the life of marriage, throughout a whole lifetime together as husband and wife. And you know, you hear sometimes, you know, people say, well, yeah, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you know, using this metaphor like marriage. If the grass looks greener on the other side, you know, you just feel like you're drifting away and, and, and something else catching you on the other side of the fence, the grass looks greener on the other side, using this marriage as a marriage metaphor. It's time to water your own grass. It's time to water your own grass. It's, it's time to, to bring that gap, to close the gap in, in your marriage. 
You, you know, uh, you hear people sometimes, it's just crazy when you think about it, they say, well, we just, uh, we, we just ran out of love. We, 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 just, we just don't have any more love for one. We just ran out of love, so we're getting a divorce. Think about how crazy that is. You don't sell your car because you run out of gas. Who would do that? What do you do? Your car runs out. You fill it up again. And it's the same thing with marriage. If, if you just run on that original tank of gas from your wedding day, you're going to run out. You've got to fill it back up again. You have to continually fill it, just like the gas tank in your own car. And, and so this, this Hebrew word, again, cling to, catch by pursuit, pursue hard with affection and devotion. Uh, let me show you a couple of instances in the Bible where this exact word here, debak, is used, and see how it's translated in other places. Psalm 63, verse 8, the Living Bible, here it says, I follow close behind you. This is this Hebrew word, debak. I follow close behind you. By the way, this is every creepy person. This, this is their favorite verse in the Bible. I follow close behind you. I'm watching you. Yeah, well, we're gonna move on. But that's the same word. In Judges chapter 20, uh, verse 45, it says they pursued hard after them. This is the Hebrew word here, debak. And it's talking about, it's the same word, pursued hard after husband and wife to pursue hard after each other that's what god's intention is that's how you keep the tank full in marriage and you keep moving forward i think the great picture of this if you know the story of uh jacob and and rachel uh in in the old testament in in genesis uh jacob saw rachel and he fell in love with her and uh there her father, Laban, said, you got to work seven years and then I'll let you marry my daughter, Rachel. He worked his tail for seven years. I mean, you talk about following hard. You're talking about pursuing. For seven years, he worked. And, and then when it's time, he's like, okay, I'm ready to marry Rachel. Uh, Laban actually said, uh, you know, our custom is the oldest daughter has to get married first, and that's Leah. And, and so you got to marry her first, and then you can marry Rachel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. The, the Bible describes Leah. Rachel was beautiful, uh, but the Bible describes, depending on what translation, uh, it says that Leah was tender-eyed. And what that literally means in Hebrew is she had a very, she had a great personality. <laughs> she was really nice. Uh, it, it's just saying, like, Rachel was a stunner, and Leah was just average. And, and so Jacob actually married Leah, and, and then Laban said, you got to work seven more years for Rachel. He was able to go ahead and marry Rachel, but he had to work seven more years. Fourteen years he ended up working for Rachel. Fourteen years. Now, I'm not encouraging, you know, men for a 14-year engagement to a woman. That's a little long, you know, and I don't think she's going to wait around or anything like that. But uh, very interesting, I mean, he had that passion to pursue her. And a lot of times, you know, we have good intentions, but they're not translated into the right actions. So I want to share with you three ways to close the gap in our marriages because intentions are not enough. We need action. And so real practical here uh, to apply to our marriage and to our relationships. Like I said, some of it applies beyond marriage, but certainly in marriage. Here's the first one. When you think something good, say it. When you think something good about your spouse, say it. Why would you not do it? Why would you keep that to yourself? If you, if, if you think something good, say it. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, we've looked at this. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Every single day, say it. Say something. When you think anything good, why keep it to yourself? That's your spouse. That's a person that you spend the rest of your life with. Don't keep it to yourself. Say it out loud. And, and let me talk to the men for just a minute. How does this look? Well, that means pursue her with words of affection. Pursue your wife with words of affection. And, and what I mean by that is non-sexual words. Non-sexual. What, what is non-sexual? And I know for most men, they're like, non-sexual? I don't even know what that means. Here's what non-sexual means. It means there's not this agenda. I'm going to say this with hopes that I get some of that. That's what non-sexual means. I, I'm, I'm just going to tell her how I feel with no agenda. Not, there's not a, an ulterior motive behind it. And, and for men, we can just turn anything into sexual, can't we? Uh, it, you know, it's like uh, sometimes Susie will say to me, hey, honey, uh, you know, could you go out and flip the chicken on the grill for me? The, put some chicken on the grill. Can you go out and just, just flip that for me? I'm doing something else. And I'm like, I'll flip your chicken. Or, or maybe she'll be like, uh, honey, you know, she just got in from the grocery store. Honey, can you, can you empty the, the groceries from the back of the car? And I'm like, I'll, I'll empty your groceries. I mean, it's just like anything we can turn, any statement into some kind of like uh, sexual, uh, really, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know what, what it is, just, just flirtation sexually. But, but what our wives really need is words of affection that aren't with the intention of going anywhere else. And, and so this is really, really important every day in a marriage. And, and you know, there are just times like things just change and we have to, we gotta be aware of that, man, husbands. There, there are times that, you know, like I walk up to Susie sometimes, the one thing that's consistent about women is they're completely inconsistent across the board. I, sometimes Susie will be in the kitchen and I'll walk up, you know, behind her and, you know, pat, pat, squeeze like that, you know, pat, pat, squeeze like that. And sometimes she'll turn around real quick and she'll be like, what are you doing? You know, and it's just, it's like, uh, you're adorable, you know, oh, stop. And it's just like this cute little thing. And then it could be like the next day, exact same time, she's doing something else. And, and you know, I just kind of walk up there and like, Pat, pat, squeeze, and she'll turn around, and she'll like, I beg your pardon? Uh, is there something I can do for you? And, and it's like, I did the exact same thing, exact same time, exact same scenario, but it's just different. And, and you know what? We all know, though, man, it's worth the risk of that one time when she turns around and like, hey, what are you doing? And it's playful. Consistently inconsistent, women are. And yet, at the same time, we still need to pursue with words of affection. No matter what they may be feeling or in the middle of or thinking through, real, true words of affection. So, not just saying, I love you, but let me put it this way. I love you because blank. I love you because, and you fill in the blank. I, I've been real good, you know, and I know it's not necessarily all guys are like this, but I've been real good over 30 plus years of marriage, Susie, I tell Susie I love her probably five to ten times every day. She hears that out of my mouth, I love you. And, and what I'm learning, though, is 
not just this, but because. And so I love you because you take such good care of me. I, I love you because you always look like a million dollars. I, I, I love you because uh, you're always such a source of strength for me. I love you because you're there for me. I, I love you because of the way that you, I see you love other people. I love you because blank. Husbands, your wives need to hear you pursue her with words of affection. And, and let me talk to the wives for just a minute. How does this look? Ladies, pursue him with words of affirmation. Pursue your husband with words of affirmation. Praise the action that you want repeated. You know, so many times I, I hear ladies saying, you know, uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, I just wish my husband was a spiritual leader in our house. And, and I'm not sure exactly how that looks. You, you know, I don't know many men that are going to sit down and do a Bethmore Bible study with their four-year-old daughter. I don't think that's necessarily the only way to define spiritual leadership. I, I think sometimes spiritual leadership is we're going to church today. We're, we're going to go to church every week. What, whatever that is, that's leadership. Or, or maybe it's praying. You know, maybe it's saying it's, saying the blessing over the meal and just affirm whatever action you want repeated wives just affirm that encourage that and you'll be amazed how a man will respond to that instead of i wish you were more like this why are you always like that you shouldn't be doing that affirm them believe in them over the last 34 years uh go back that far Susie and i when we started dating i've become the man that Susie believed me into becoming. I, I, I am today, Susie believed me into the man that I am today. It's because of her belief in me that, that I've opened my heart and allowed God to change my life. It's not because, you know, she nagged. It's not because she criticized. It's not because any of the, because she didn't do that. She believed in me, and I've become who she believed me to be. And so if, if maybe, you know, your, your goal is, uh, you know, I just wish my husband would just like pray over Thanksgiving meal. You know, just, just one time, honey, could you pray over Thanksgiving? And, and maybe it's just a terrible prayer. Maybe it's just like, you know, God, thank you for this turkey, and thank you for these little turkeys you've given to us around the table. Amen. Maybe it's not even great, but, but listen, ladies. Afterward, you just pull them aside at the right time, and you just get real close, and you just whisper in his ear, I felt so close to God while you were praying, and I feel so close to you when you're praying. I can't wait to hear you pray again listen ladies he'll be he'll be praying in tongues by friday night you can count on it just you just encourage the action you want him to repeat he'll 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 repeat it over and over and over again i'll let you in on a little secret the most vulnerable time of my week all week long week in and week out the most vulnerable time for me is after i'm done preaching 
And, and there's so many times, you know, it doesn't matter how many people thought it was great to clap and all, and I, I appreciate feedback and, and I, I do list, solicit that and all. But when I sit down in that front row again, and I sit there next to Susie, and I'll just say, give me something. Just, just, just give me something. And, and, and she'll say, that was wonderful. I love the point about. Or, I can't believe you told that story. That's so funny, but that took some real guts. Or, or sometimes she'll just say, I just saw you standing up there, and I'm thinking to myself, that's my man. And all of a sudden, man, it just makes me, I, I could charge hell with a water gun because she believes in me. I just need to know the person that knows me the best believes in me the most, and that's my wife. Ladies, you have no idea the power you have in your mouth to, to just grow, affirm, and, and cause your man to become the man you dream. Maybe he's not right now. It's all about affirming your belief in him. Let me just summarize this point. We're going to move on. The other two are quite short. First one, men, she wants to know, do you love me today? Tell her and tell her why. She wants to know every single day. Erase the question mark is how I like to do. I talk to, to men about erase the question mark in your wife's mind every single day. And, and there'll be plenty of fuel in the gas tank. You're not going to run out of love. Men, she wants to know, do you love me? Not when we got married, not last week, not last month. Do you love me today? And ladies, this is what your husband wants to know. Do you believe in me today? Do, do, do you believe in me today? Strong as you ever have. So very important. If you think it, say it. Here's the second thing. If you think something special, do it. If you think something special, do it. James chapter four, verse 17, this is crazy. Look at what the Bible says. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin to them. If in our marriage we know there's something we ought to do for our spouse and we neglect to do it, we sin. It's not a sin of commission. It's not something we commit. It's a sin of omission. Something that we should do, we know we should do, but for some reason, pride, whatever, we refuse to do it. We actually are committing sin. We're actually committing sin. So when you think something special, do it. Stop sinning. Based on this scripture, stop sinning. What is it that you should be doing to close that gap? Because listen, good intentions are not enough. We need right actions. Be a blessing to your spouse. That's why you married them. Just, just, just take that step. Be a blessing. And, and so what does that mean? And, and it's just amazing how like in, in our family, I just a little preview here, like, we have three daughters. So I used to joke uh, when they were all at the house, like it, we actually went like 20 years without me ever having to clear my place at dinner. And because and my girls would do it and uh, I was helping them learn how to do these things. And so I would sit there and they'd clear daddy's place. And then they went off to college like, oh my goodness, you know, what do I do here now? And I remember first year, like the first couple of days, all three are in college. They're not in the house. It's just Susie and I. And I got up, and I cleared my place, and, and I remember Susie going, what are you doing? And I was like, Michaela, Brooke, and Sophie aren't here. I'm just clearing my place. And, and so as I, she, she just looks at me like, 
well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and then I opened the, the uh, I would put them in the sink. Just put the stuff in the sink, and then she'd put it in the dishwasher, you know. And, and then one day, I took another step, and, and I actually put the dishes, not in the sink, I actually put from the table, I put them in the dishwasher. And she was like, my Lord and my God, what are you doing? And I was like, I just thought I'd help you out. And she's like, that is the sexiest thing I have ever seen in my life. And I was like, you mean me just putting another plate in here like this? And she's like, yeah. I was like, oh, watch, I'm going to empty the whole sink now. I'm going to put a fork and a glass and a bowl and all those things. Just, just because I knew it meant something to her. And because I did it, because it meant something to her, instead of sitting there and like, I'm not doing this. I knew I should. I did it. Then all of a sudden, her response meant something to me. And so it's so important. When you think something special, do it. That means, you know, closing that gap. No matter what it is. So now I see a basket at the foot of the stairs and I want to save my wife a trip and, and it's a basket full of clothes. And I'm like, honey, is this going upstairs? Yes, it is. I got it. Shoop. And it's just one of those ways. I don't need the extra trip or anything, but it's just one of those ways. I just want to bless her. And, and, and so look for those ways. If you know you should do it, do it. Because if you don't do it, it's sin. And so it also means like prioritizing intimacy. You know, and I do know like it's hard when you're raising kids and all. It's, it's really hard to consistently, regularly, and we've talked about frequency, how important that is. Uh, and again, touched on that in those two messages back in February that are on our website. But, uh, you know, I know some people that we had to do it when we were young, just actually schedule it, put it on the calendar in the week, schedule intimacy as husband and wife. So, you know, maybe you got to write it on there, Sunday fun day, you, you know, or, or Monday madness, or uh, two for Tuesday, or, you know, wild, wild thing Wednesday, or, or uh, throw down Thursday, or freaky Friday, whatever you got to do, you just write that on the calendar and you schedule it because it's important. And uh, maybe your kids are young and you can't, even pro- you, you can't even afford a babysitter. Well, then, you know, this happens. Put on Dora the Explorer. <laughs> and uh, kids, just watch that. Mommy, Daddy will be back in 30 minutes. Go, Diego, go. You know what I'm talking about? You, you just do what you've got to do. Because it's important. If, if you think something special, go ahead and do it. Here's the third thing. When you want something different, be it. When you want something different, be it. Stop griping about what your spouse is not and allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into what you're supposed to be. Every time that I would look at Susie, every time I've ever looked at her and I've wished something different about her, there's three things in me that I need to allow God to change in me every single time. Men, it's time to step up. It's time to step up and and, and really be the leader. Step up and and step out and lead your family. I I think it's time for men to say the words of Joshua, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're, We're gonna be at church every week. We're not gonna allow the culture to cause us to compromise our commitment to Christ. We are gonna be at church every week. Even when we're on vacation, we're gonna go to church because Jesus Christ is the center of my family, not the culture 
is the center and I, Jesus has time when I'm not doing something else. I think it's time to step up and even become part of a small group because we, we know, we, we see it all the time. People grow better in small groups. Sharing your life with other Christians on a dedicated, deliberate meeting time in small groups. And we have small groups that are gonna be launching again here in about a month. And, and you wanna join one of those. It's time to step up. It's time to step up. Maybe it's time to serve together as a family, to, to join Dream Team. We've got plenty of opportunities to, to serve because there's nothing that will break a child, a young person, out of selfishness than serving other people on a regular basis. It's great, and we'll touch on some of that in parenting next week. But it's time, men, to, to step up and to be the leaders. And, and, and here's the thing. A woman, wives, they're multipliers. They multiply whatever they're given. And so, men, let me just put it this way. If you don't like what you're getting from your wife, it's because of what you're giving her. She's just multiplying it back. It's reflecting it back multiplied times over. Think about it for, for just a second. Husbands and wives, one act of intimacy, what does she give you? She gives you a baby. They're multipliers. It's the way that, that God created women. They're multipliers. And, and, and so they just reflect multiplied times over what it is that we give them, what it is that we're investing into them. So if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. Let me put it this way. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. This is what... The book of Revelation says this and talking about our spiritual life, but for the sake of this message, I think it's okay, a secondary application. Revelation 2.5, Jesus is speaking here to one of the churches in the book of Revelation. It says, remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Can we just go back to that previous slide? There it is. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. So, you, you know, for, for Susie and I, we went through the shutdown, COVID, all that, and, and the reality is, you know, we felt like we, we were even closer. Our, our marriage was closer than, than ever as a result of that, and uh, I mean, we worked together and all that, but, but we just weathered that storm. That was, that was, didn't really affect us all that much. However, in more recent days, in the last 60, 30 to 60 days, it's been a little different for us. And, uh, and, and that's primarily just things ramping up again at the church. She leads in a small group. I'm doing a small group. You know, just a regular, just meeting with people, all of that schedule, and also the planning of this wedding for our daughter. And, and, and we have been real methodical through 30 years of marriage to date night and talking and taking time each day and, and all that stuff and, and going away once a year, just the two of us, on a trip, but but we began to there there began to be a little bit of a drift taking place, and I'd say specifically, you know, I became aware of it over the last thirty days or so, because it's like when we get home, it's just like we're not home then, and then it's like wedding planning time, as it should be, but we've never done this before, and so we've been kind of doing this stuff, but not not connecting. <laughs> We've been going through the schedule and all that, but, but not connecting in the way that heart-to-heart -heart 
that we really like to do and want to do. And last weekend, just feeling some of this, and it was even a crazier weekend because I was officiating this wedding. So I had Friday night, you know, rehearsal, rehearsal dinner, Saturday, you know, wedding, and then reception. And it was just busy, and I was just like, I just wished I could connect, and we just wanted to, but we had other commitments. And then we we're at that reception, and the wedding's over, I've done my part. And then they had the couples dance. And, and we went out there, and we just started dancing. Now, I don't know, there's 200 people there or something. I don't know how many people there. Dance floor was full. But we're just face to face. And she's just looking in my eyes. And we're just whispering the way that lovers do. And man, I just felt electricity just shooting through my legs. My knees got weak. And I just started telling her what she means to me. And she just started whispering to me what I mean to her. And it was like, it was our wedding reception. That's what God does. I was pursuing her. She was pursuing me. And we had a, I wouldn't say a moment, we, we had ourselves a minute on the dance floor there. And it was just fantastic. See, to get what you once had, you got to do what you once did. I, I'm so thankful. August will be 31 years that we've been married. 34 years we've been a couple. I, I still get weak need when it's just her looking at me, me looking in her eyes, whispering what she means to me, her whispering what I mean to her. That's what God intends. It doesn't happen by accident. Husbands, wives, it's time to close the gap. How are we going to close the gap? Well, when you think something good, say it. When you think something special, do it. And when you want something different, be it. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word, how practical it is for every area of life, and especially today for marriage. God, I just bless these marriages of everyone who's listening on our online campus, everyone who's watching that is married. Father, I, I, I just pray, Lord, that we'd receive your grace, Lord, not to have good intentions, but to have right actions, to do what's right because we know it's the right thing to do. Father, I pray for those that are engaged, Lord, th those that are dating, those that are, are there's, they're not in a relationship right now. Lord, I pray that what they've heard today, these principles, they'll just hide these in their heart. Lord, for friendships that it'll make a difference these practical principles, Lord, I pray we'd walk them out and apply them as well. And God, we look to you, the author of relationships, the author of marriage, Lord, to do it the way you've created it to be done, to live it the way 
you've instructed us to live it. And we just receive your grace. Forgive us for the times we've failed. And may we walk in your grace from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.